Coming up on today's show, we are talking about some stats that you need to know to get excited about 2022, the end of the 2021 regular season for the Oakland A's, and then what to expect from baseball and the Oakland A's this offseason. That's what we got coming up for you guys. So let's get into it. You are locked on A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. How's it going, A's fans? And welcome to episode 360 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, again, we're talking about stats you need to know, what to expect this offseason, and also just talking about game 162. It wasn't as thrilling as 2012, but there were some encapsulations of the entirety of the 2021 season that I want to talk about, and also Chris Davis went deep, so let's talk about that. And also, thank you for making Locked On A's your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Thoroughly appreciate everybody that uh, listens to the podcast in general, but also the people that come to us first. So thank you so much. Uh, also, make sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel wherever you like to watch YouTube <laughs> on your phone or on your computer, I guess. Um, yeah, subscribe to that. Uh, if you are on YouTube, make sure to uh, like, subscribe, do all the things you need to do down there. Uh, comment if, you, if you're like, hey, I liked this thing about the A's 2021 season. Let me know in the comments. I love interacting with people. And if YouTube isn't your thing and you want to talk to me, you can also reach out to us on Twitter at uh, Locked On A's. You can also follow us on Instagram as well, also at Locked On A's. I am also on Twitter at ByJasonB on Twitter and in the Spotify Green Room app. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into it. This is episode 360. They said that we wouldn't make it, and here we are. We're charging very quickly towards episode 400, and I feel like we did 300 just a minute ago, and it... It's, uh, it's just chugging along. This is the engine that does not quit. But uh, let's get into it. So this is the, as I'm recording this, the official first day of the offseason for the A's. By the time you're listening to this, it'll be day two. But, you know, whatever. It's fine. And it's going to be a very, very busy offseason for the A's on a number of fronts. I'm going to break those down a little bit in the third segment. But first, let's put a bow on the 2021 season. I'm not talking about the bullpen. We all know that the bullpen stinks. So I'm not talking about all the numbers. You know that they weren't good. That's the reason the A's are not in the playoffs. Uh, Could Matt Chapman have done slightly better? Yes, he could have had a better season. But the bullpen blew a bunch of games and they probably should have won the ALS. But they didn't. So let's not get into it. It's not fun. I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Let's just focus on some things that were nice from the last game and then start looking ahead a little bit towards 2022. So in Sunday's game against the Houston Astros, Chris Davis hit his first and only home run with the A's this season with two outs in the top of the ninth. It was the best moment that you could have, the way that the A's season went, the best moment that he could have chosen to hit his one home run this season with the Oakland A's. And I said it when he got promoted uh, on Twitter, on here, everywhere. I I said it. I was like, 
I, I didn't know how his run would go, but I wanted him to have a big spot. I wanted him to have a big home run. Just something that was like, hey, that's an A's Chris Davis moment. I like it. And uh, it, it didn't lead to a win. It didn't lead to the A's making the postseason. But with the way that everything went, I am happy that he hit that home run. The A's lost 10 minutes later. It didn't matter. Uh, but uh, he hit a home run in the green and gold and all felt right in the world for a few minutes. And that's really all that I wanted. And does that mean that he's going to be coming back to Oakland for 2022? I don't know. We'll see. I've got some stats for you guys that I'll, I'll, I'll get into here in a minute. But I just really want to say it was a really welcome sight. It was so great to see him do that. And he should have probably had the home run that hit the, the, the roof which is a stupid thing to have that far out. Build better ballparks, Houston. Your ballpark's stupid. I hate it. The dimensions at Minimid Park are just ridiculous. They got the, the Crawford boxes. It. I don't like it. I don't like playing in Houston. It's stupid. Anyways, so you, we, we saw him do that, uh, and then he got to the dugout, and Matt Chapman was in the dugout uh, just celebrating with him and basically saying, I told you you could do this. You're Chris effing Davis. I don't know what he actually said, but that's what I think he said. Uh, I didn't read his lips, but it, that's what it looked like. He was grabbing his head and being like, yeah, I told you, man, you're, you're the best. Ah. And uh, Chris Davis was just, you know, like, yeah, thanks, man. I, Chris Davis had a few words. He had some words after this game. And uh, I thought that that was kind of cool. He told reporters after the game that the home run brought about, quote, Joy, a lot of joy. When you make your teammates happy and they're proud of you, it's a great feeling. It just shows that they got my back no matter what. Even if I didn't hit a home run in that situation, they still would be proud of me. Still, it's a nice, it's nice to feel that love, end quote. And it's so hard to root against this guy. I know that he's had his struggles in Oakland the last three years. Uh, we Let's not include 2021. This was, he was brought on to see what he could do. So 2019, 2020. Uh, he had some struggles, but I still love the guy. He he wants to be in Oakland, and that's that's refreshing. And uh, are they going to bring him back? He might be more affordable now because he hasn't been great. I think he had three home runs in 2021 and struggled and got DFA and all that stuff. He's probably a fairly low-cost acquisition or addition for the A's if they want to go that route. And he's got some decent upside. Uh, in his time with Oakland, he ended up hitting 255, well above 247, I must say. 255 with a 283 on base. The on base isn't great. He's never been a high OBP guy necessarily, but he's usually in like the 310, 320 range. And he had an OPS of 675, which is a little bit below league average. So he wasn't quite all the way there to the guy that you're like, hey, we need to bring him back right now. But on the season, he was roughly equal against righties and lefties, which is interesting, at least in terms of batting average and on base and OPS. He was basically the same against lefties and righties. And if that is something that the A's look at and like, hey, we could play this guy every day and we think that he's going to be better. Maybe he hits for a little bit higher average. He still has that pop. We just got to unlock that a little bit more. Maybe there's a route to Oakland for Chris Davis in 2022. It kind of depends on what they're doing. If they're going full bore for it, which <laughs> probably not, uh, then he's probably not necessarily in their plans. But if they're kind of like, hey, let's see what happens. And there's plenty of CBA stuff. I'll be talking about the CBA, I'm sure, this week. Uh, just talking about, hey, this could be part of the CBA. This is how it impacts the A's. Stuff like that. If, like, say, uh, there's they expand playoffs. If they expand the playoff field, then the A's could theoretically trade a player or two, cut costs, and still try and contend at the same time. So 
if that's kind of the route that's being presented for the A's, then maybe Chris Davis makes sense to be their everyday DH. They like having an everyday DH. They keep doing it. So you got to think that they enjoy having just one guy to slot in there. And, you know, you can rotate a little bit if you need to. But Chris Davis, we'll see if he's if he can finish this story a little bit better than what we've seen. Uh, I would love to see him hit another 30 home runs for the A's next year. That would be that would be a fantastic season. Have him hit 247. Have him hit, get like an on-base of like 310 or whatever. That's a great season for Chris Davis. I would take that. Um, and we also saw Mark Canna get hit by a pitch on Sunday. And uh, if that was, in fact, Mark Canna's last game in the green and gold, then he gave us one last memory to cherish. Uh, he's a free agent, as I mentioned on Friday's episode in the offseason primer. Um, and, you know, he got hit a whole bunch. He got hit 27 times in 2021 and 80 times in his A's tenure. That includes double-digit hit-by-pitch totals in each of the past four seasons. He is a hit-by-pitch machine. And uh, you know, and then they, they also, uh, the, the bullpen blew the game. So uh, it was a nice encapsulation of the A's season in general. They made a nice little comeback in the ninth and then uh, they lost it. Chris Davis had a home run, so that was cool. That was nostalgia for you. And then uh, Mark Canna got hit by a pitch. So those were some of uh, the, the takeaways from the last game that didn't mean anything for the A's. But uh, coming up on the show, Seth Brown hit a milestone. And you already know what the milestone is, but I'm going to talk about some of the the other stats uh, that surround Seth Brown. They got me a little bit excited for 2022. So stay locked in with Locked On A's, and I'll be right back. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friends log in for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all of that entertainment that you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That is directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Hey A's fans, this is Jason Burke with an incredible app everyone who buys gas needs to know about, and that is Get Upside. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code BASEBALL and get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using GetUpside. Just download the app for free and use promo code BASEBALL to get up to 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a month in cash back and there's no catch. The cash back gets added right into your account. You can just cash out at any time to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free GetUpside app and use promo BASEBALL to get 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. That's code BASEBALL. 
Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow our YouTube channel, uh, comment, rate, review, uh, thumbs up, subscribe, do all the things. Uh, follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at by Jason B on Twitter and in the Spotify Green Room app. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at Gmail. Dot com And also, thank you again for making this your first listen of the day. Uh, we are free and available on all platforms. Pick your favorite. We're there. This face is here sometimes, like on video platforms, like a YouTube. So uh, give us a shout out over there. Um, but let's talk about Seth Brown, who went deep twice in Sunday's game to give him 20 home runs on the season, which is a bit of a milestone for a younger player like Seth Brown. He hadn't played a full season, and he got 20. And he had played, uh, he played 111 games this season, had 281 at-bats. So he was definitely a platoon guy. They did not let him face lefties. And I'll get into why a little bit later, but they, he, he didn't have a lot of plate, uh, you know, a lot of plate appearances at-bats. He didn't get a lot of swings. And for him to hit 20, that's impressive. That means he's got a power bat right there. Is it kind of his only tool so far? Yes, a little. But I'm going to get into why his power is really, really good here in just one second. His first homer this season was also at Minute Maid Park, and it was also his first home run of his career. So his first home run and his latest home run were in Minute Maid Park in 2021. The first one came off of Ryan Stanek, and Sundays came against uh, both uh, Urquidy and then Zach Granke, future Hall of Famer Zach Granke. So he, he's doing okay against the Houston Astros. Sure, he gets more opportunities, but... I think he likes playing at Minute Maid. There's a, there's a certain thing about going there because he hit his first home run and then hit 20 there. So uh, good for him. And the 20 home run milestone is great and a wonderful achievement in his first season. But a couple of things caught my eye when looking at his stat lines. First up, his barrel rate, which uh, I'm going to be getting deep into the weeds this winter because I get to write down a lot of stats and then I get to read them off a sheet of paper. And so we're talking barrel rate. Welcome to the offseason. <laughs> um, and basically barrel rate is the percentage of the time that he hit a ball hard at the right range of launch angles. Um, the definition says that it has to be at least 98 miles per hour off the bat, which is you know, a hard hit ball is 95. So it has to be harder than a hard hit ball. And it also has to have a launch angle of between 26 and 30 degrees. For every mile per hour over 98 uh, miles per hour, so like 99, the launch angle would increase by one on each side. So it would be 25 and 31. And then the uh, the angle range grows the harder the ball is hit. It goes up to two degrees once you get up to a, a hundred. So basically the, the simplified version of this is he hit the ball hard at the right launch angle. That is barrels per plate appearance. That, that is the simple definition. And I think that uh, without getting too deep into the weeds, he hit the ball hard and he hit it the right way. That's all that I'm saying right here. So what you need to know is that he hit it hard, good launch angle, simple, let's get into it. So Seth Brown's barrels per plate appearance was 8.8% or basically 8.8% chance that he'd barrel up a given pitch. That's a pretty, that's a pretty good, I think that was 40th in baseball. He was pretty good. And that is the same rate as his teammate, Matthew Olsen, uh, in 2021 at the very least. Uh, and Ole is one of the best hitters in the American League. So they were barreling up at the same rate. 
both of those rates higher than Joey Gallo, who hit 38 home runs, I believe, and is one of the most prestigious power hitters in baseball. So is Joey Gallo the upside of Seth Brown? I don't know if he's going to have as many, like, real big moonshots, but maybe? Because he's not really a high average guy, but maybe he can work on that the offseason. And I find his barrel rate to be fascinating, if I'm being quite honest, uh, because Brown's final stat line is not great outside of those home runs. He hit 214 with a 274 on base, both well below the league averages of 244 and 317. So 30 points below on batting average and 40 points below on on base. But his OPS or on base plus slugging, because slugging includes home runs and he hit a bunch of home runs and not that many at bats, is nearly 30 points above league average. So he was below, below, and then well above. He had a 754 OPS, and that's that's a good thing that you can build on. Is that the only thing you want to build on? No, but his home run his home run rate was impressive. With 20 home runs and 281 at bats, he hit a dinger every 14.05 at bats. That's really really good. You know who that's better than? Matt Olson, who had who hit a home run. He had 39 of them, but uh, in more playing time, roughly double the playing time. Uh, Matt Olson hit a home run every 14.48 at-bats. Not a huge difference by any means. It, roughly half an at-bat. But it does show that in a smaller sample size, Brown has the same pop as Matt Olson. Does he do all of the other things that Matt Olson does? Not necessarily. He does play a good, uh, you know, left or center or uh, right field, wherever they want to put him in the outfield. He plays good defense. Is it going to be good enough to land him a full-time role? He's going to have a full-time role at the start of 2022, regardless, because with Ramon out and then you got Kenna leaving, you got Marte leaving, uh, presumably. Uh, we can assume fairly safely both those players will be gone. You got Steven Biscotti, you got Seth Brown, you got Ramon Laureano at some point. That's kind of your starting outfield right now when everybody's good to go. Maybe you got Luis Barrera there until uh, Ramon Laureano comes back. So I assume that they're going to get an outfielder. We'll talk about outfielders. Uh, in, in the coming weeks, uh, I promise you, I love prognosticating who the A's will sign, and I will go over literally everybody, because then I'm right. <laughs> but let's get back over to Seth Brown. So the plan this offseason for Seth Brown has to be to get him more walks, I think. You gotta improve that on base. That 274 on base just is not going to cut it. Ideally, he could have a turnaround like Matt Olson and start using the whole field a little bit more, uh, going you know uh, to the the third base side a little bit more and just getting more hits that way. But work working the strike zone and learning the strike zone a little bit better probably seems like a more realistic goal this offseason. Something that he could improve upon in a few months before spring training. That's what I think. Uh, as opposed to doing changing everything about his swing and who how he approaches uh, balls and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But if he could hit like 244, which is league average in 2021, with a 320 on base, which is slightly above league average, and put up 30 to 35 home runs, I think that that is a solid season for Seth Brown in 2022. Is it outside of the realm of possibility? I don't think so. I think he can do it. Get, give me some walks, and I got some stats that are going to be very interesting for you guys because his his splits are wild. I gotta say, his splits are so wild. At home, he hit 242, so almost league average, and he had a 301 on base, not quite league average. Uh, but on the road, he hit 191 with a 251 on base. Uh, remember, 
He had three home runs in Houston. <laughs> I, there were other games, but I'm just saying. Not great outside of Houston. Uh, then again, he hit 13 home runs on the road and seven at home. So as slugging and OPS were fairly similar in both spots, within like 10, 20 points. Not a huge difference. Not like the, the on-base and the average numbers. And in day games, he hit 257. In night games, he hit 168. That is like a 90-point swing. That is a huge difference. And then versus lefties, he hit 136. Very limited. He had like 35 at-bats. It wasn't a lot, but he hit 136. Against righties, he hit 220. So is he a platoon player? Can he hit lefties? That is another thing that we're going to have to figure out. And then the final split that I got for Seth Brown, ahead in the count, he hit 287 with a 429 on base and a 971 OPS. Get that man a 1-0 count and he is going to do some damage. Get that man behind 0-1. He's, he's hitting 140 with a 140 on base, so no walks. And then a 451 OPS. Get that man behind the count. He's basically toast, so he's got to work on that a little bit. He was also good late in games. 7th, 8th, and ninth inning, that's when he did a lot of his damage. I think he had nine home runs in those three innings, and the ninth inning was one of his favorite innings. Uh, did he hit a lot of home runs with the guys on base? No, I think he hit 18 solo homers, but Matt Olson hit all of his, not all of them, but, you know, a lot of solo homers as well, so... Was it just guys not getting on in front of him, or is it that eh, when there's nobody on, there's no pressure? I I don't know. We'll find out next year. So Seth Brown, uh, if, if we can get him to play day games versus righties and get him ahead in the count, he is an MVP candidate. Market 2022 with a season of Seth Brown. I like it. Uh, coming up on the show, though, I'm going to tell you which A's batter led the team in barrels per plate appearance, ranking 12th overall in baseball. So stay locked in with Locked On A's and I will be right back. Did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. They've got churro puffs coming up on their website. Get excited. If you've had them before, you know those are the business. You want some of those. But if you miss out or you, you want to click right now and they're not available yet, then you can go ahead and pick one of their mix boxes because you get uh, two of each of their core nine flavors. You get coconut. You get two Cherry Barcia, you get two Raspberry, you get two Mint Brownie, you get two Double Chocolate, two Salted Caramel, two Strawberry, two Orange, two Cookies and Cream, and two German Chocolate. These are all delicious flavors, you guys. The, the flavors that they bring, you know, uh, seasonally, those ones are absolutely amazing. Their core flavors, that's their bread and butter. And they're, they're, they're not made out of bread and butter, they're protein bars. They're made out of delicious chocolate that tastes like candy bars, and they fill you with protein. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories from 130 to 180, only four or five grams of sugar, only four or five grams of net carbs. They're all amazing flavors. They're all tasty. They're all healthy. And they're all available at Built.com. So use the promo code LOCKED15 and you will get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you like to hear podcasts. Follow us on YouTube. Subscribe to the YouTube page. Comment, subscribe, like. Do all the things that boost this signal. This is A's Talk for you guys every single day 
all offseason until we get to the winter meetings and then we go to like three. But beside the point, doesn't matter. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter and Instagram. One of those fell asleep today and one of them we were still tweeting from. So that's at LockedOnAs. Uh, I am also on Twitter at ByJasonB on Twitter and in the Spotify Green Room app. If you guys have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. And one last time, thank you so much for making Locked on A's, your first listen of the day. Again, free and available on all platforms. So I left you guys with a little bit of trivia, but before I tell you who it is, do you have any guesses? Think think it over. I know you've had a couple of minutes, but in my time, no time has passed. So let me know who your guesses were. Hit us up on Twitter. Comment below if you're on YouTube. Let me know. So drum roll, please. It's Chadwick Pinder. You know, Chad, Chad Pinder. That's his, that's his full name is Chadwick. And I love that about him. He had a barrel uh, per plate appearance average of 10.7. That's almost 2% better than both Seth Brown and Matt Olson, which is tied. That 10.7 is tied with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this season and just behind Bryce Harper, who I said last week, Arguably the best hitter in baseball, according to WRC, well, not arguably, according to WRC Plus a week ago, best hitter in baseball. And he is there, oh, Chad Pinder, is also just ahead of Jordan Alvarez, the vaunted slugger from the Houston Astros. So um, I thought that that was very, very interesting. There's a couple of caveats for this, obviously. Uh, one, small sample size. I set the, the, the uh, it wasn't for qualified batters. It was for guys who had at least 100 plate appearances. So he is benefiting from a little bit from missing some time and not having as many plate appearances as the other guys. Number two, his launch angle was just 7.4 degrees. So it was not uh, the, the launch angle that you want. That, that is overall. That is not for this. That is overall his launch angle was 7.4 degrees. Uh, Vlad was 9.4, which is two degrees higher, but he hits the ball a lot harder and can kind of put it where he wants. So he's basically a unicorn is what I'm saying. Uh, you, you don't want to necessarily mimic Vlad Jr. unless you're Vlad Jr. Jr., I guess. Uh, most of the other sluggers have a launch angle between 11 and 20 degrees, and that's kind of where you want to... That, that, that's a line drive on most occasions. That's what he should be striving for, but he's not far away. He's got the timing. He's got the barrel. He just needs to improve that launch angle, and then he is great. So he has the potential, but he'll have to work on that launch angle to put that ability to barrel up pitches to even better use. Go, go get it, Chad. Stay healthy. Go take that crown. I love it. Finally, for the day, I wanted to give you a quick rundown of what to expect this offseason around baseball and concerning the A's. There is going to be a ton of news. And again, we are here five days a week up until, I believe, the winter meetings. And then we go down to three days a week, right around in the middle of December, somewhere around that. My wife and I are also expecting a baby. So three days a week is right around then middle of December, three days a week. Um, so... First off, the collective bargaining agreement expires on December 1st. That is going to be a big date in the offseason. Uh, there will be plenty of news on the subject coming out. I'll probably be talking about like, hey, if this happens, because it's expected to, 
how would that impact DAs? I'll be doing one of those episodes a little bit later in the week, so keep an, keep an ear out, subscribe, you know, you'll, you'll hear it. Uh, so especially after the World Series is, uh, is over, we're going to be hearing a lot about the CBA. We'll be like, hey, cool, the Rays won the World Series. That's my pick, by the way. Um, the Rays won the World Series. Now let's go over to labor negotiations. Yay, because that's how you grow the sport. But the one change that seems ready to happen is the addition of the DH to the National League, or the universal DH. Uh, so that is probably going to happen. Um, there have also been rumors of a salary floor or a salary cap or both uh, encouraging teams to basically leveling the playing field and making guys like John Fisher spend more money, like at least a hundred million dollars so that you don't got teams out there spending $40 million like uh, the Pirates or the, the Orioles or the, the Astros back in like 2011. So that they're not doing that and just making a mockery of the sport and losing 110 games or whatever. That's something that they're considering. There is also uh, maybe giving up draft picks or uh, trading draft picks. Uh, I don't know that that one's necessarily going to happen, but I would be fully on board for it. Uh, robot umpires or, you know, the digitized strike zone. Uh, earlier ob arbitration dates for players, meaning less team control, which would be, uh, we'll see how the A's would like that. They would hate that. Uh, expanded playoffs, which more teams make the playoffs. Uh, maybe a reseeding in the playoffs, which I would also really like to see because it's stupid that the two best teams in baseball, uh, one of them might not even make it to the ALDS and then they would face each other in the, or say in the NLDS. Uh, that would be stupid. You, you want that to be a seven game series. Make that the, the CS. Put them on opposite sides of the bracket. I would like that. So on board. Uh, and then there's a bunch of other topics, uh, but those are the main ones that will be in the headlines and the ones that I'm probably most interested in as well. So this is a league. Uh, this is basically uh, the CBA is where the league and the players come together to form an agreement to work on things that each side wants moving forward for the next five, 10 years, whatever the, however long the agreement is, that this is their agreement for the next few years. So I wouldn't be surprised if an agreement is not reached by December 1st. So if that doesn't happen, don't freak out too bad. I would be surprised if one is not reached by spring training uh, or if the season was delayed. I would be surprised by that. So if it starts getting to like the middle of January and there's no, oh, I guess beginning of February and there's no agreement, Start worrying, maybe? I don't know. Hey, well, we'll see. These negotiations could have an impact on the A's winter plans as it relates to the trades they may be able to make. Uh, I talked on Friday about just the contract status of the free agents and the A's core guys like Bassett, Manaya, uh, Frankie Montas, Matt Olson, Matt Chapman. All of the core pieces that you're like, hey, are they going to trade them? I talked about all of their contract status on Friday's episode. Check that one out. Uh, it's, it's good. I liked it. <laughs> so this is, are, are they going to be able to trade these guys? The CBA could have a lot to say in that we could be looking at the departure of Matt Olson and potentially others, but the uncertainty of the CBA negotiations could lead teams to giving low ball offers too. Uh, labor strife could save the A's core this offseason. Who knows is kind of the point. We, we don't know what's going to happen. So we might not know for a little while, but we could see where the A's would potentially be leaning. Uh, they, they got a couple of options coming up, uh, club option, team option. Uh, they, they got a couple of those coming up with Diekman and Andrew Chafin. Maybe we could see which way they're kind of leaning and where they want to go, but maybe they have to adjust course 
later on because CBA is going a different way. Uh, there's also the possibility this winter that another team could ask Billy Bean and or Bob Melvin to fill their own vacancies. The, the New York media is already talking about the Mets doing that again and We'll see, I guess. Uh, Billy Bean was asked by, uh, by, by Bay Area reporters about that in the uh, season post-mortem press conference today. And uh, he, he didn't give a yes or a no. He just kind of alluded the question. But what do you really want him to do? So he didn't squash the rumors, but he didn't really feed them either. So I guess a non-denial isn't really a yet. I, if you think he's going, he's going. If you don't think he's going, he's not going. I don't think he's going because... The Mets? I, he wanted to leave baseball a year ago. Now you think he wants to undertake an entire rebuild with a maniacal, a different maniacal owner that he doesn't have ties with? Nah, I don't think so. That's me, personally. I don't think the Mets are the option. But if you are Bob Melvin and you get asked, and the, the Padres come up and they're supposed to fire their manager, Jace Tingler, and they're like, hey, we want to talk to Bob Melvin. Are you going to say no if you're Bob Melvin? That's a fun and exciting team. They're still in California. He wouldn't be as far away from his family. Is that a team? That that would be the team that scares me, not the Mets. And finally, there is the never-ending saga of the ballpark situation. This is the number one item on a lot of A's fans' list. We're going to be talking about it uh, as often as there is news. I will talk about the never-ending saga that is the A's ballpark situation. I've seen a lot of, do you want... Uh, do what you want to the team. Sorry. I've seen a lot of do what you want to the team. Just keep the A's in Oakland tweets in recent week in recent weeks. And uh, I, I got to agree, honestly. Uh, it, I can I can take Bob and Bean leaving. I could handle another teardown and you sell the stars. I can live with a lockout for the CBA. But the team leaving would uh, probably break me. So uh, I, I tend to agree with all of those tweets. Um, there is going to be a lot of news all offseason for us to go over. So just make sure to subscribe to the podcast, our YouTube channel, and just tune in. That's all I'm asking. Just tune in. There's going to be plenty to talk about this winter. Um, that, that is all that I got for you guys today. But, but thank you for making the Locked On A's your first listen every day. Uh, now make your second listen, Locked On MLB. Paul Francis Sullivan, please call him Sully, brings you his unique perspective on the major leagues, both present and past. It's free and available on all platforms. But again, that is it for me today. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Oakland, and I will talk at you tomorrow. Tomorrow.